I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. This episode is sponsored by Her Film Project. What? What is Her Film Project? It's an organisation that helps people who aren't particularly heard of in film get into it, alright? Well, just go to herfilmproject.com or follow them at Twitter at herfilmproject. Cool. Um, first of all, before we start the show, this is the third to last episode of Film Fantango. As David Reed and I have decided that we are going to pursue other projects. Um, we would like to thank Her Film Project for sponsoring us. And also, to all the listeners who've listened, and thank you very much for all the kind words you put on her Facebook page and on Twitter. Um, I'm speaking on behalf of David and myself. I don't know if we realised that many people were still listening, but we're glad you enjoyed the show. Don't forget you can enjoy um, our new podcasts. Well, David is going to continue to do Inside the Comedian. I will be doing a new podcast podcast oh, i mean it's gonna be rubbish but called Marek makes a movie you can find out more on the facebook page of these or follow at Marek's movie on twitter and danielle is still doing do the right thing podcast which she's been doing for ages all right why not subscribe to those podcasts and rate them because that's what people do to get billions of pounds all right good luck here's the show Yes, well, here we are, and today I'm at my friend Gallia's house, and we are going to talk about a film that we saw at the Everyman in Barnet, possibly one of the coldest places <laughs> in the world. It was very cold. This is so. Um, regulars may know that I've been to the. Uh, I used to go to the Odeon in Muswell Hill, and that got converted to an Everyman, and the same thing. Has happened with this barn. It used to be a barn at Odeon. Yeah. And now it is very much a cross between the, the Overlook Hotel from The Shining and the 1920s sort of um, club thing. They've gone for style over substance for sure. Yeah, it's they've, they've basically got the carpet from The Shining there and they've just spent millions on the place. But there's several flaws. I don't know if, if listeners are regular everyman goers, but I mean, we both remarked when we sat down about we are our horror at um, what in particular, <laughs> like people being able to eat an entire meal <laughs> whilst watching a film. 
absolutely mental. <laughs> it's insane. Table service. People bring in really smell like a, you don't want to go to a cinema. Smells of burgers and a really loud usher. It felt like it was harking back to the 1980s, where that when you said, "What did you say?" That it was like an airplane. It went at the beginning because she made an announcement, didn't she? Hello and welcome to the Everyman Barnet. The exits are. <laughs> yeah, the toilets. Are, you'll find your toilet situated through here. And the emergency doors. I wanted to be yeah. the emergency door guy. You had to, if there was an incident, I would be in charge of... <laughs> you have the extra leg the, room. The guy, yeah. <laughs> if there is an incident, the bald man here will be creating a new emergency door in the side of the um, wall. One of the things that we both like about the cinema is the fact that we don't have to talk to other humans. And they, they ruined that almost mm. instantaneously. Because they did all the adverts. I thought, good, we were settled. It was going to get dark. No other human contact. And then... No, just weird human announcement. Yeah, really weird. As if it's always, it's my cinema. These are the rules. You will follow these rules. <laughs> um, but I'm pleased to announce that finally I've met someone who likes sitting in the back and doesn't get doesn't get all sort of weird and itchy when you start heading towards the back. No, I I don't understand that. I love the back of the cinema. I mean, a lot of my guests might think that I was trying to bum them or something. That was. <laughs> I wasn't afraid. Yeah, that. I mean, with one Matt Skellington, who I had not met before, before I did, went to see a film with him, and immediately going and saying, I've got a seat at the back. Did you do it while sort of rubbing your thighs suggestively? <laughs> no, but he did make a joke about putting, um, that you can't cut a hole in the bottom of a bag of popcorn to put your dick through. Okay. And that really. That probably didn't help. No, that the broke that broke the ice. Oh, okay, that's good. That broke the ice, and the next thing that broke the ice, we saw a film called uh, The Florida Project. Yeah. Um, was that the the um, paedophile and that looked like me? We both pointed out and laughed. <laughs> you both so pointed directly. We at your both face. pointed at my face, but he pointed at my face almost a second. I mean, he's <laughs> his agreement that I looked vaguely like the paedophile character was a bit too uh, what's the word aggressive. Hmm. But to he, he was, like, he was yes, enthusiastic of, about it. Yeah, he was. Like, of course, you look like him. Not there's a passing resemblance. Oh, I see. Yeah. He was convinced. Okay, this seems like an odd thing because I remember you talking before about having quite a distinctive face, and yet recently in podcasts, yeah, you've been talking about all these people that look like you. Who like? Oh, like oh yes, like, <laughs> like um, one of Henry VIII's wives. Someone's put that on a Facebook page. <laughs> I think it's Anne Boleyn or something. Or Catherine. No, it's Catherine Aragon. And now Very you look like a paedophile in a movie. Yeah. So maybe this is a new thing for you. Well, that's the only thing I play. We, I, I've noticed. I don't want to make this all about me, but as I've got, <laughs> a, I'm, I'm making a transition from uh, it's stupid people to evil villains, ah. possibly who are possibly sex offenders. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure you want to make that transition? Yeah, it's nice to know. <laughs> Just to branch out. Yeah, there's a list of people, actors who look like sex offenders, and I am on that <laughs> list. list. At the top of that list. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, if anyone's looking to cast a sex offender in their next film, yeah, you it's know gonna, where to I mean, there's going to be there's all there's always room for sex offenders. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, we went to see a film. I suppose it is in, in the Oscar contention. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, the darkest hour. No. Darkest Hour. Oh, yes. Hour. Sorry, it's not The Darkest Hour. <laughs> because there hour. are already 15 other films yeah. called The Darkest Hour. Apparently, Darkest Hours, they're quite common things. Yeah, no definite article. Yeah. Not, Just Darkest yeah. Hour. Theoretically, they should they should work out which one <laughs> is The Darkest Hour and the other should be renamed The Fairly Dark or Quite Dark Hour. Yeah, The hours. Second Darkest Hour. Yeah. The Third Darkest Hour. 
But this is the darkest hour. No, it's, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's darkest hour. But the problem is... It doesn't you, make any sense. You don't go to someone, oh, do you want to come and see Darkest Hour? And I think you're missing... <laughs> definitive, yeah. Definitive article. Yeah. It's called Darkest Hour. Mm-hmm. Can you... I, I always get the other person to do this. Oh, I've got the job of summarising. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to try. Well, I mean, it's, it is a biopic, isn't it, really? It's in that genre mm. um, about uh, Winston Churchill, but particularly the time of his life in, like, sort of around... It was 1943, wasn't it? Where he... Um, oh, before... Yeah, is it 1943? Before when? I think before. 1940. I mean, I was obviously paying attention to the caption. It's, it's not around 1940, 1941. Okay. I think 1941 was... I mean, when he, was, when he took 40s. over as prime minister, yeah. essentially during the Second World War, mm-hmm. and then obviously fixed everything single-handedly and won the entire war for us just through words. Like mm. that was it. That's what happened. That is basically the premise of the film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everyone else is a slightly evil villain. Yeah, everyone else and anyone who like even remotely disagrees with him, that's terrible. Like evil, pure evil. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the other thing of note is that all the women were completely useless, and they were just they were just sort of good at emoting. There was and one, typing. There was one, a couple of really weird moments in the film. I think we should get on to, yeah. which is the female parts mm-hmm. and the token, re- and the, the token really guy. and the token black guy, <laughs> which was so clumsily done it was done. so clumsily done especially because and maybe this is the wrong time to talk about it but in that particular scene where the words that he said when he appeared on screen were this you guys are great britain it was it was yeah. really terribly patronizing i think that was one of the wor- that was one of the worst scenes of the film so i, I was um everyone's talked about this because of gary oldman mm. playing churchill I, if you like speech impediments this is the film yeah, for you. Yeah, for you. I was going to say, really, this is a summary of like the way in which people of a particular class at a particular time just could not enunciate. Well, Church, you, you, you find yourself, when you come out, you want to this, or to speak, sort of, um, uh, who was the king? The ki- it was King George. Yeah, the one who can't speak properly. Yeah, so, so he has a speech Very much speech, like, just say your Fs. Say the Fs, like this. This is a performance to do it. And, and also, and there was a third Lord Halifax, guy. Yeah. he was speaking like this as well. Yeah. I mean, that the if you feel like you can't be an actor because you've got a speech impediment, watch that film. You've got a new bloody hope, mate. Or just only ever be in period pieces about Britain. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Everyone at home, swing to And I know they said uh, quite early on, they said quite early on to his sort of new secretary, old... Um, he mumbles, so you'll have to listen carefully. But actually, there were a couple of times where I was lost with some of the dialogue. Oh, really? Yeah, just a few brief moments. Not just him, but some of them. Um, so let's before we go into the weird bits, mm. I think we... Well, I thought it was really boring. Agreed. It, it's such a shame. It had all... It has the components of a potentially brilliant film. Yeah. Great actors... Gary Oldman's performance is pretty great. And Ben Mendelsohn, I like to call Ben Mendelsohn from <laughs> Home and Away back in... He <laughs> plays King um, George. Is it King George? It's King Edward, isn't it? Or King George? George. No, George. I'm sure it's George. Um, and he's brilliant. He's brilliant at that. All the acting. There's some people from Game... The bloke from Game of Thrones, who I can't bother him up. He plays um, Lord Halifax. Yeah. He's a great evil villain. Your mate was in it. <laughs> yeah. Joe Armstrong. 
Um, he was good. He didn't have very much to do, but he did it well. You said he's got an evil face, though. Yeah, he just wears well, got quite um, starey eyes. They sort of felt like they stared through to my soul. That's good, though. Did you find that when you met him? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't... I, no, do I think you, he's got a nice face. Do you think that it's quite odd when you see people who are f- famous people who are on screen, who look totally different on screen than they do in real, real life? Yeah. And one of the biggest ones is that... Um, was that comedy called Coupling or something like that? Or, yes. And the blonde lady in there with the big eyes. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name. I'm She's not... the one that's married to Peter Serafinovich, no? Oh, is she? I think so. Anyway. If, if I'm you... thinking about the person you're thinking about. I'm just looking it up now. Yes. Um, her name is Sarah Alexander. Right. She's married to him, right? Okay. Well, maybe she is. On screen, she looks amazing. But then in real life... She... Her, oh yes, she's married to him. Knowledge. Her, her eyes are absolutely massive. <laughs> is that bad? No, I think big eyes translate well on the screen, don't they? I think yeah. that's the thing. Emotional. Yeah. Um, this film is so boring. It was really dull. And I always feel that you can just watch. You might as well just watch a documentary. I've said this before mm. with these things because you sort of watch this and you think, how much of this is just a film lie to make it more interesting I don't really want to know the lies I want to know the exact 100% truth yeah and have you ever seen The World at War no this brilliant documentary series um, uh, some people will be familiar with who are probably my age and older that came out in the late 70s and I watched it when I was working nights I started watching them where they decided they realised that everyone from World War 2 was going to die soon because it's 1970s you know yeah. so let's get interviews with all these people all the surviving sort of generals and um people who are still alive who are had direct influence in the war because they're never going to get this stuff again yeah, and Laurence Olivier um narrates it and I think it's something about 30 episodes or 20 episodes it's Incredible. a huge massive sort of infamous series and watching that thing I'd make me just going to want to watch the sort of Churchill special or the that year, year special rather than this which just felt it just feels a pointless waste of time it it, it has a function doesn't it so I always think whenever these films come out why have they come out at this particular time yes I'm sure there's some kind of anniversary of something that I don't know about but like the scene at the beginning where they're all in parliament and yeah. I think like it makes me really sad watching that kind of dramatised parliament where everyone is so super enthusiastic and, like, we want to solve stuff. There's no one asleep in that. Exactly. And you think about what's going on today, that makes me really sad. So I wonder if maybe that's part part of it, that, that it's political, that mm. they're, you know, showing it as some kind of beacon of something. I don't know. Yeah, it's just... It's a shame because it has... It's a it's an interesting story, obviously, and it's a really interesting part of history. Um, but it is overdone. It's too much and speech, isn't it? Well, about twenty minutes into the film, I realised what it was leading up to, which is his famous speech: "We shall fight them." Which, blah, everyone, blah, blah. which everyone sort of knows anyway. So, and it reminded me actually of I used to work uh, before I was a teacher. I used to work at um, Dirty Dancing, like the West End show, and. 
That bombshell. <laughs> no, you didn't tell me this. Yeah, I've like for three and a half years. Were you dancing in it? No, I wish. Just like pissing about there. Um, on the stage? Doing not on the stage doing stuff, no. Just watching the dirty dancing people? <laughs> just eight shows a week. Eight three shows? Three and a half years. Wow. I got to the 2,000 shows, it was pretty heavy going. Did they ever say to you, was there that instant where, oh, listen, the, what's the lady's name with the big nose who's the lead of it? Oh, um... I can't remember, the actress who got Jennifer a nose job. Jennifer... Biggie. Some, yeah. <laughs> she sprained... The, the actress who's playing sprained her ankle and... The understudy's also ill. You're the only person who knows... I could have done it. I knew, Beat for beat, I knew that show. And you, could you have done all the dance moves? Every single one. I could still do it now, I um, bet you. And um, would you have done it if they said? <laughs> they can would you, never have said... There was a, a series of events and injuries. <laughs> but the show must go on. Let's have a completely the, unqualified... The Queen is coming in. Oh, okay. Especially to watch it. And what, for the Queen? Can... I mean, yeah, of course I would. What if it wasn't the Queen, but just a normal crowd? <laughs> would you have stepped in? I would have done it. I had terrible stage envy. Yeah, I wanted to be... Even though the show was absolute nonsense. Did they sing in it, though? Um, there was singing in it. But it wasn't a musical in the traditional sense. The characters didn't burst into song. But you know, oh, like the okay. soundtrack is a really famous soundtrack. Yeah. Um, piece of awesome trivia. Yeah. Patrick Swayze refused to give the rights to She's Like the Wind, but he owned the rights to the lyrics. So we played, they had the instrumental version, but we couldn't ever sing the song because he refused no. to give the rights to it. What happens now that he's dead? I think he, his estate probably still owned the rights. The show's not on anymore. It's touring, but it's not in the West End. The point I was getting to with all of that story I like, was... I like, this is a good detail. <laughs> end, we can talk about Dirty Dancing at length. We should have but, done that. We should have um, done Dirty Dancing. Well, next time. I started watching it with my mum the other night. Uh, it was well, on television. That was probably an She said, do you like this you? rubbish? She said <laughs> you to said. Me. No, she said that. I said, oh, I was quite enjoying it, mum, but we can watch the news now if you like. <laughs> the end of that film is... Well, the entire film, if you know the film, is leading up to the line that Patrick Swayze says. He, like, comes in the room tries to rescue her from her parents and he goes nobody puts baby in a corner like everyone knows that yeah and it felt exactly the same in this film that we knew what was coming there was going to be this big speech we shall fight them blah 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 and every single beat in that film was we're almost at that when we're nearly there yeah we're almost there just walk down that corridor close that door yeah. there. so that's why i think it was boring because it wasn't pacey it was two hours and five minutes long. It was, and it was a slow two hours and five minutes. There's a lot of speeches, and too many speeches. And although he's good, Gary Oldman, there's only so much you can do being hmm. the same thing. And there was a lot of weird shots, which are very similar, but people looking up, yeah, and then going straight up into the sky. But it happened about four or five times. Well, I, obviously that, I, obviously, I'm assuming that was some kind of stylistic choice. It was rubbish because of the like bombs. And the other problem is when they're doing a war film, and obviously they haven't got the budget to do yeah, the Dunkirk. Really thing. terribly far away. Yeah, got explosions. Here are some explosions, and <laughs> this is almost definitely CGI on someone's model they've got upstairs in their loft. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you know what that reminded me of? It reminded me of how we met, which was on that incredible <laughs> film of Ulysses that you're on. Yeah, if you you need to look up. <laughs> Ulysses 31 Redux, I think it's called. Yeah, it's incredible. I watched it this morning, actually. I re-watched it because I was thinking about the fact that I was seeing you today. So you worked... You were doing makeup, were you? Or doing no. It was my very short-lived film career. Were you just running on it? Yeah. 
and it was a bloke called Dermot. Dermot. And he decided there's a Japanese cartoon called Ulysses 31, which was very popular it went in the 1980s. Is it a Japanese cartoon? It was, well, it was dubbed in English. It might have been French, actually. Really? I thought it was. I just thought it was an English cartoon. No, no. It was, well, I wasn't alive when it was on, so I don't really know. Yeah, it was on 1984 to 88. I was born in 88. A space... Oh, God, it makes me sick. <laughs> a, a space sort of Greek tale. Which yeah. Which is brilliant. And he, shot for shot, um, redid the... A live action sort of non animation version of the, the title titles. Sequence. It's incredible. Yeah. You were there. I was Telemachus playing, with um, Stubble. You were playing Cy, uh, Cy Thomas's son. Cy Thomas was Ulysses. I yep. was Telemachus. And. Uh, Isabel was there as well. Isabel Faye was, she the was painted a- blue. Alien. Yeah. I will put that on the website for people to watch because it is quite incredible. But there's some great low budget. Melons for planets, things yeah. like that. All planets should be melons, but I think <laughs> it's almost you need to just not do it or not show it just a plane, a CGI plane going past. Yeah. What I did like about this film was I, I wondered how they got access to all the old London buildings. Well, did they? Or, or is it all? I was trying to work out if it's CGI, how much is CGI, mm. and how much do they actually get access to? it must be a fake common somewhere that's a standing. Yeah. So that would be, what is I, a fake that place? Didn't, that didn't look to me like it looks now. No, it was much narrower and yeah. it was really weird. So maybe that was... Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. On a set somewhere. The um, Westminster looked quite how I think it looks. Yeah, they just get selective shots outside. Yeah. And there must be, must be a book of places that look... Shots that you can use in film, which, which don't have any aerials. I feel any... a YouTube video coming yeah. along. I should do that. Um, so it's a really boring film, and it's. I mean, just read it, watch a, watch a proper documentary instead. Now, well, the... it would be great for a drinking game. Like every time there's the, the writing, uh, I, I hate to be judgy, but mm-hmm. the writing was terrible. Right? Well, why do you think was it was? It was every other line was a cliche. You could play a good drinking game with that. Clichés. Cliché drinking game. Two hours and five minutes of drinking. I mean, you would be drinking a lot. Well, then I just drink tea. <laughs> you can drink whatever you like. Yeah, I'd just play the tea drinking game. So that was that. not great. That, that upset me. The weird um, women's parts. An assistant who is sort of called, I can't remember her name, a sort of working class typist. It's Lily James, the actress, isn't it? Yeah. Was she in Baby Driver or something? Yes. Yeah. She has been shoehorned into it. Completely. And it's done so unsubtly. Yeah. I just think it's in, it's almost, here is a shoehorned female part. Well, I think they probably filmed it and realised at the end we didn't have any women in this film. In the same way that they realised they didn't have anyone who wasn't white in the film. But the problem is, is that, yes, that is true. But it was a male, white male. Sure. Oriented. So, it's but I think people are afraid to do that, though, aren't they? But I don't understand it. Cause it's almost like really, and there's another scene where this is spoilers, but I mean, don't bother going to watch this. Um, <laughs> just go and see three billboards instead. Ah, oh, it was an amazing film. Yeah. Go, when Winston Churchill goes on the train to canvass public opinion, <laughs> and I thought it was one of the worst scenes it was so I have seen in film in a long time. Yeah, and the worst is it's um, 
it, there's, there was a black guy in the train, which, I mean, I don't know how many black people were really around in the 1940s. I think there were, but, like, it was so... They made it more ridiculous by the fact that there was one black guy yeah. in the whole movie. And he was in the back of shop... Uh, it was placed in... They've definitely gone white <laughs> now... Can you just move around the train to be in the back of shot the whole time? Yeah. And be like every time we move the camera. <laughs> yeah, just so we could say we're covered and we've ticked that it's okay. Yeah. There's a black guy in this, and there's it, and it was just almost as if a politician. I mean, what politician would go on the tube and ask people and that to affect their decision or be have a say in their decision on whether whether to. Uh, <laughs> Change the whole course yeah, of British like, history. Uh, uh, your kind of war politics. Your yeah, yeah. No. Listen, guys. Um, we're thinking of going to war with North Korea. I'm just going to go down Northern Line and see what everyone thinks, and then I'll get back to you. In well, five it was minutes. even worse than that because he was on his way to like have peace negotiations, and he's like got the tube, and he's like, "Well, Dave said we shouldn't make peace. We should go to war." Yeah, he actually wrote down the names. Uh, <laughs> Barry, who was listening to his... I mean, he didn't—he wasn't interested because he was listening to his iPod. Yeah. Um, Susan was eating chips. And there was like a little girl in the end. Yeah. Yeah. It was really clunky. It was. That's the exact word. But I said to you, as it finished, we, we both did a thumbs down. Mm. And you made a good... I said, well, how is this film a success? And you sort of made a good point. Oh. Do you remember? Yeah. Well, I pointed at everyone sitting in front of us in a kind of really judgy way. Well, it's the audience, isn't it? There's a particular audience that are going to enjoy this film. They are of a particular age, of a particular background. Because um, they, they clapped, and that doesn't happen often, but there was no. actually there was a round of applause Sunday afternoon at the at Barnet Cinema. It it's going to do well in the, in the prizes. Prizes? Awards. Well, prizes is fine. Um, <laughs> I think it will do well. It's pensioners. Pensioner yeah. bait. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> but it just didn't do it for me. It didn't do anything for me. And the, I was having a thought while I was... Because obviously they mentioned Dunkirk as well, and that was a big hit of last year. I didn't see it, so I can't say much about it. Overrated. I know you didn't think it was particularly great, but eventually what someone some clever person or maybe someone with too much time on their hands will do is they'll assemble all of the films that have ever been made about this period of time and intercut them so you have like all of the bits and it would be as long as the war itself was well i think and then they never have to make one again is my point like let's maybe stop making films about the same thing over and over again if you took the best bits of this and you merged it with the best bits of Dunkirk. You'd have a good film on your That own. would be a much better film. Yeah. So, because this film was missing the action of Dunkirk. Dunkirk was sort of mission, missing the sort of the political explanation of what's going on, really. Okay. And I think you just merged those. Someone do well, a supercut. We've just invented that then. Yeah, well, you, you have, actually. Okay, but I don't have the facility to do that, so I'll have well, to source been, it. It's being recorded now. <laughs> okay. And this is got, and you will be able to sue people for this. Is, this is yes. the idea. You, how do you copyright things? You write a letter of it, you copy this onto a disc, and you send it. And I post date it. it. Yeah, you have to date it. Date it and mm. send it to yourself, and never open it. <laughs> and then you will be a millionaire. Millionaire? Mm. Is it? Do you say millionaire? I mean, one would. I, I'm not that fast. Well, you, 
could do with a million pounds, though. No, I meant about being a millionaire or a millionaireess. I don't need the feminine ending. Yeah, but you want the money, though. I want the money, but you can call me a millionaire. I, won't I was going to say, someone, imagine that saying, well, I'll give you money, you can be a millionaire. So well, I refuse that because I want to be a millionaireess. <laughs> I can imagine some women doing that mm. on principle. Well, it's good to have principles, and that's the reason it's better that, to have them in. that we didn't make peace with the Nazis, <laughs> and that we live in this wonderful, great Britain today. I mean, that what you've just done there, that's the film. Yeah. That, that bit. That's the whole film. With I mean, to be honest, my um, uh, enunciation is very poor at the best of times. Well, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but a lot of the time I don't. Re- I listen back. To, I listen back to it. Mm. I think, oh right, that didn't. That didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, that probably happens to me quite often in my classroom. But when you're an adult in front of kids, you can just fudge it. I have a problem. Where I I I don't really focus between what's happening in my head and what's coming out of my mouth. So. I realise, especially doing podcasts, that oh, I forgot to I forgot to set that up so it made any sense at all. Mm. That bit was just going on in my head, and I didn't I didn't say it out loud. That's what you need a script for. Yeah. Imagine a script in this bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh. how many galleys do you give it? Oh, what are we doing it out of? Ten. Oh, ten galleys. Um. Oh, I don't. I don't want to be too mean. I mean, what's I that? love Gary Oldman so much. Can I tell you it's a ridiculous Gary Oldman story? Yeah, go for it. It's, it's not really Gary. It's about, it's about me and Gary Oldman. It just makes me laugh when I think about it. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. I have a group of friends that I um, have known for a good couple of years, like maybe eight, ten years now. That's but, more than a couple. And when I met them, um, I didn't. I knew one of them, but I went around to the house. That like, a whole bunch of people lived together in this house, and I went around to their house, and they were watching um, Harry Potter. One of the ones that he was in. Yeah. He played Sirius Black. Yeah. Super sexy. Like, really sexy. Oh, right. Let's talk about that later. Okay, well, blimey. And I, like, of, no, of nothing, mm-hmm. the words that came out of my mouth in front of this group of strangers who I had never met before, like, no one except this one person, was, yeah. oh, Gary Oldman. I just want to sit on his face. <laughs> That's all right. And what was the reaction? I mean... There was little reaction, but it's a story that has stuck now. Oh, you're called... In our group of friends, yeah. So you can't speak about Gary Oldman? Oh, no, I can. It's just everyone looks at me and it's like... Did you think that during church? <laughs> no. <laughs> ruined Gary Oldman for the me. The curse has been broken. Yeah. Because he's great in Sid and Nancy as well. Absolutely really, stunning performance. I mean, that's a really young Gary Oldman, isn't yes. it? Yes. But very attractive. Um, he is a very good actor, Gary I think Oldman. so, yeah. I didn't give you um, a number of gallias. I don't know. Like, I mean, probably four or five. Yeah, I give it six. S- six. It's, it's five or six. Yeah. It's it's been it's one of those films that always comes around in January. Worthy historical films mm. like, Lit- like Lincoln. That was the worst of them. But I didn't see it. I don't ever watch it. They're just. There are some great movies of, of that time, though. Like, I don't know if you saw last year, Their Finest. Did you see it? No, it's on Netflix Fantastic now. film. Like, absolutely, oh, good? genuinely brilliant. I thought brilliant. the trailer looked awful. I, I think you should watch it and then let me know what you think. But, mm. fantastic film. Um, and it's the same sort of period. Obviously, it's a different angle. But, that that did it well. This did not. 
the problem is there's just too much going on in the war. You can't do it. You can't do the whole story. <laughs> you can't do all of it in one film. No. That's why I just watched the World at War instead. Just read a book. Yeah, don't go to the cinema. <laughs> we ruined the podcast right at the end. Well, it's coming to an end anyway. <laughs> About time we started to make it easier for people to let go. I mean, it's your last podcast. Instead of saying keep watching the films at the end, you Burn just like, all the don't films. watch the films. My stomach's really rumbling. Apologies. That's definitely going to come across um, on the microphone. So, speaking of the fact that you've disappointed the nation, oh, with the, with the, with darkest hour of you. No, with the fact that you're ending this podcast. Uh, well, I say the nation is quite an overestimation of our listeners. Um, well, I mean, I would like to let you know that on the Facebook page, on yeah. that post, 56 people have commented. And every single one of those 56 comments are, I hate you for ruining my life by ending this well, podcast. Well, don't worry, because um, there we will still carry on doing podcasts. Um and I think I should, so I think I should plug my podcast here. So I'm going to be doing a new podcast called Merit Makes a Movie. I go and speak to a filmmakers who I know, and I'm, anyone who donates to the film, all of that money is going to be the budget for making the film. I mean, don't have any high expectations at all. I'm going to be making it with equipment I've got, which is it's going to be one of the low rent, lowest budget films. But I've been listening to a few low budget film podcasts, and it takes quite a lot of money to make yeah, the film even a low budget one yeah if you have to pay people pittance to do work on it for a day but listen to that and I think I've uploaded the first one so it will be out there already I speak to my friend Paul about Paul Allen about writing and I'll plug it somewhere and also David is going to be doing Inside the Comedian which is his um, spoof comedy podcast and Danielle Ward who started the show she's continuing to do Do the Right Thing which is an excellent panel comedy podcast. So please do listen to those. And if you have any questions about filmmaking, um, I mean, a lot of the first episode was me talking about a film, my film being called Barry Needs a Piss. And that's, it's not going to be called Barry Needs a Piss. Lots of people are asking about The Bumming Man. The Bumming, the Bumming Man was the original film. It's not going to be called The Bumming Man or Barry Needs a Piss because I think um, they would have very limited audiences. I think so too. So anyway, um, you can email in your questions to marriottmakesthemovie at gmail.com. Follow. I made a big mistake with a Twitter account. Did you? Because you only have 15 letters in the name. Marriott Makes the Movie 16. So I tried to different versions of it and I just called it Marriott's Movie. So no. already there's a problem. I'm sure we can we can work this out. I tried to Marriott Makes with an M8 thing and I thought, this just looks like... Someone autistic banging the head against what the keyboard. What about you get rid of the article there? Is that too ridiculous? Matt makes movie. <laughs> I just think Matt makes... And it looks like a typo there. <laughs> it looks like I'm going to... It looks like I'm a caveman. Merrick uh, makes movie. Merrick makes movie. Ah, yes. Well done, Merrick. <laughs> Let's put that straight in the bin. Um, <laughs> I quite like it. Well, it's Merrick's movie. That's what either Twitter is. I'm ready. I mean, this is this no. Is... That offends me though because that's not going to have an apostrophe in it, and it should. <sighs> well, I haven't even started this project yet, and already it's caused me a load of shit. Ruined it forever. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, we're not going to do the quiz this week. We're going to do the letter section. <gasps> How exciting! 
apologies if I forgot to read your letter out because I've been I've really messed up which ones that I've read and haven't read out. So I think there's a few such as someone's top ten films of the year that I've not read out and I'm and I probably never will. Do not be cross. Just put this down to total incompetence. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Anyway, here is a letter from Kevin. Regards subject midnight run. Dear Marek and not Dave and not Buddy, watch and report back, please. I'm intrigued to know what you think. P.S. If you don't think it's the greatest Buddy movie ever made and De Niro's only decent comedic role, I don't really want to effing know why. Thank you from Kevin. Um, have you ever seen Midnight Run? Uh, no. I agree with Kevin. I watched it again with my brother because it's on Netflix. Mm. Uh, Rob Deering brought it in to talk about so there's an episode in Back in the Annals with Rob Deering talking about Midnight Run. It's him... Uh, uh, Robert De Niro is a bail bondsman and he finds this bloke who's the accountant of a drug dealer who's uh, escaped bail and he needs to bring them in. And it sounds boring, but it is one of the greatest action. And the more I see it, the more I realise this film is absolute classic. And it's almost in my top ten films of all time. Oh my goodness, that's one hell of a recommendation. Midnight Run. Okay. Absolutely it, brilliant. It says here that it came out, it was released in 1988. Yes. Which suggests to me that it's probably you're probably right, because lots of films that came out in 1988 seem to... This is because be you were films. born in 1988, oh, so well, you're, you're I mean, biased. I'm not a film, I'm a person. What? <laughs> Come off it. Um... um yeah, would, would like, you like to read a letter? I would love to. I'm good at reading. I can do that. Right, here we go. Here is one here. Okay, here is one here. Um, okay. Oh, subject, The Red Turtle, which is a film I have seen. She's perfect. <laughs> I've not seen it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Dear Marek and guest, that's me. I watched a few films over Christmas and one that really stood out was The Red Turtle. The Red Turtle is a Japanese slash French slash Belgian animation about a man who gets washed up on a a deserted island and gets romantically involved with a massive turtle. That's not technically true, but I like it. It's a good summary. It's huge and it's red and it even turns into a human woman to stop it from being weird. Lovely stuff. I quite enjoyed the film for its story and thought the animation was nice, but I think above all I enjoyed it because it's only 80 minutes and it has no dialogue. So many of the films I've watched recently seem to have uh, bloated running times, we were just talking about Mm -hmm. that, and loads and loads of rubbish talking. Exactly. uh, Just people saying things for absolutely ages. Well, this was a good watch for people who like having a bit of quiet time and enjoy looking at pretty drawings of the sea. Are you or your guest any good at drawing sea creatures? (laughs) (laughs) That is the weirdest question. Let's get back to it. What are your favourite films set on small islands? Keep watching all the films, please. Callum. Thanks, Callum. That was good reading. I mean, that was great. You've seen... Tell us about The Red Churchill then, please. Well, I mean, it's a studio... Ghibli oh, film. Ghibli film. Yeah. Bloody hell. Um, <laughs> it, I, I enjoyed it, though. I thought it was good. It's about a man banging a turtle. <laughs> it's not a film about a man banging a turtle, although there is an implication that since he is banging the woman and the woman is the turtle... Right, okay. There's so some interspecies banging. Yeah, so for example, there's a piano behind you. There is. If that piano turned into a man or a woman... I think that would be amazing. Yeah, but uh, and you had sex a with A literal that... piano man. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Joel. <laughs> it turned... That piano turned into Billy Joel. A young Billy Joel, let's say. Yeah. And you had sex with him. 
Have you theoretically had sex with a piano? No. Why? But then it turned back into piano. <laughs> Still didn't do it. Wait, it was a piano, wasn't it? You know how, like, gender is fluid? Yeah. Let's say you can be at species are, like, fluid, and you can decide in the moment what species you are. Oh, so, right. like, at the time that he banged the turtle, it was choosing to identify as woman. So he banged a woman. So can you say that as, uh, can I choose? <laughs> you can be whatever you want, Matt. Do you want to go back to the questions that Callum asked? Yes, let's go back to it. <laughs> well, one that you really enjoyed was, are you or your guest any good at drawing sea creatures? <laughs> I'm no good at drawing anything, really. I... I'm good at, I could do a dance, though, which is like, my friend Claire and I, we have dancers named after animals, and a lot of them are sea creatures. Well, that's good. You could dance like it. There's like, there's the jellyfish... Um, uh, Gally's waving her arm. It's like it's a wibbly sort of dance. It's a bit like a uh, breakdancing move for someone who hasn't done it, not without any of the rigidity. And um, the the squid, is this one? Oh, the squid's very good. <laughs> I'll explain it to you. Do it it's walking sort of out of the room, it's amazing. A slow sort of clapping, <laughs> with the elbows extending fully out and the hands coming in in a slow, a rhythmic mm. fashion. Maybe I could be a dance describer for blind people. <laughs> you could definitely do that. The other one I have is uh, the eagle horse, but that's not a sea creature. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's quite a weird thing. Uh, eagle horse is <laughs> flapping and then one trotting a foot. A, very, a great array of dancing. Um, Can you draw a sea creature? I Tell probably them could. Well, I, just, I just think it's quite weird that you realise that there's gaping holes in your life and it's not until someone points out and you've not drawn any sea creatures I mean, maybe in the last 20 years. Should we both have a go at drawing one? No, actually, I drew an octopus for my nephew um, over Christmas. And the problem with octopus is you get the first legs, tentacles right. Yeah, and, and you've got left room, space. And then the last, and it looks like some, what's happened with that, that octopus? <laughs> and you try and pretend the legs are in a distance, but you can't do that. What you should do then, I guess, is do the outer legs first, then work your way in, and then do the bulby head Yeah, bit. what sort of dick does that? <laughs> Right, let's go to the next letter. Are you still answering? We're spending a lot more time on his questions than usual, but fine. We don't have to. There was one more question, but you could just say, don't want to answer it. What is it then? What are your favourite films set on small islands? Uh, Castaway. That's probably (laughs) the I can think of, isn't it? Castaway, The Beach. I haven't seen that, because apparently it's got a shark in it, and I don't do sharks. Okay, yeah. Uh, What else is set on the small island? Muppet Treasure Island. Ooh, good one. Um... And Bergerac. <laughs> there we go. My win- Bergerac wins. Thank you, Callum, for your letter. Um, Let's do another one. Is there another one? Yes, there's quite a few. Paul, good child. Star Wars and Jurassic Park. <laughs> Dear American Marek's friend, stroke stranger, he's awkward, just that awkwardly sat for a film with. <laughs> I have recently watched Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and generally agree with your... Co- agree, I'm speaking like the um, King George... Agree with your <laughs> comments in episode 320. The film is at least 20 or 30 minutes too long, and the whole subplot where Finn goes on a mission to planet Las Vegas to find Benicio <laughs> del Toro seemed very bolted on, and, we could have, and could have been cut out altogether. Without that storyline, Finn can still be heroic on his mission into the very large spaceship, and the role of Master Codebreaker could have been given to his sidekick, stroke love interest. Good point. But who's going to tell Disney that? Me? You? I don't think so. I also recently watched Jurassic Park with someone who is 31 years old and has never watched it. Mm. How is this possible? I only saw it for the first time last year. Wow. 
apart, we can get into that in a second, apart from it being one of the best action adventure films ever made, IT33 seems to show up almost every week and without trying very hard, I usually watch it at least once a year. Are there any films which everyone appears to have watched, but for some reason you have never got around to or avoided for some reason? Keep watching the films, Paul Goodchild. Mm. Well, you said Jurassic Park, how did you miss that? Well, I mean, can I blame coming from a broken home? <laughs> oh, God, I mean, it's, oh, God. Oh, God, I mean, it's, it's got really... Oh. <laughs> we, I grew up without like any men around. Like My family is all women, so and they're like very girly girl women. So I, I, I didn't see Star Wars until like my early 20s. And I love Star Wars, it's like one of my faves. Um, but yeah, Jurassic Park was a recent one for me. And I've only seen the first one. I haven't seen any of the other ones. Yeah, I've only seen bits of the other one. But Jeff like Goldblum, I mean, slow clap, standing ovation, right? There's a... Um, have you been to the Cinema Museum here in London? That's maybe closing, maybe not closing. What? There's a Cinema Museum. It's Isn't incredible. In the South Bank somewhere? No, it's like... No, I want to say it's like east somewhere. I'll, I'll Google it in a sec, but... They had a whole campaign recently because it was closing and Charlie Chaplin's granddaughter was like trying to save it. Oh, who anyway. the thingy jobs who gets the knockers out a lot in Game of Thrones. That one. I don't know. But they have a massive cardboard cutout of Jeff Goldblum with like a flower in his teeth and his head is bigger than my entire body in this cardboard cutout. It's incredible. That was worth the going, end of my it's story. It's going for that. It's a great little place, a really cool museum. You've seen the fly though, right? Oh. I mean, I have to... Like, anything that's remotely has the chance of being scary, I can't see it. But And I was a bit worried, but a friend of mine did mention it to me recently because Goldblum, incredible, whatever, so I probably should. Oh, he's so good in that, but it is quite... It's really gory. I don't mind gory. I can't do scary, scary. Why not nightmares and stuff? I don't know. I just have never been good at scary films. Hey, it's all right. I'm sure there's loads of ones that I haven't seen that I should have seen. What are the films what that I've avoided? Well, Dirty Dancing. I've seen Dirty Dancing before, though. Oh, okay. I think I've seen most of them. Films, I, all films. I can't quite remember what big ones. Occasionally, the big one I, I haven't seen. What about the big remember. series like uh, like Harry Potter? Yeah, I saw the first three, and then I just think that I you just gave up. Them. Yeah. I love those films. Well, I. So it's a generational thing. Yeah, I forget. <laughs> I feel like a really old man. What were the other questions he asked? Some good questions there. Uh, they were good ones, but I can't be bothered to carry on with it. Okay, well, do you want to give me another one? Well, I'm going to... Yeah, if you want to read this one out, this is from Connor Lavelle. I'd love to. You're good at reading. You've done some very good reading, actually. Oh, you'd hope I'd be good at reading. Um, <clears throat> uh, Gally's job is... It, well, one of the things she does is teaching as well, so she's very good at reading out loud. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, hi, Marek and guest. I enjoyed Paddington 2 and your review. Even though the gag rate dropped in the last 30 minutes, I laughed solidly all the way through the film. I was interested in Marek's observation that films set in England generally paint a romantic, out-of-date, afternoon tea vision of England that doesn't in any way reflect the modern country. Do you think this reflects a lack of self-confidence in British film? Or do you think it is aimed at the Americans who film producers seem to think lap up the gift shop image of London? That's the first section. Shall I read on or do you want to answer that bit first? Uh, well, read on, okay. read on. Uh, he says next, what film is the worst offender? 
my nomination would be Notting Hill, which basically stops short of having a narrator saying tap means faucet. Um, P.S. If Merrick was to meet a listener for a movie and podcast, who do you think would punch whom first? Keep watching the films. Oh, that's a bit... That suggests that I'm a violent man. Yeah, I can't imagine you punching anyone. No, I'd just be... I, I, I don't like strangers, that's no. for sure. I mean, that's... We've that's normal, isn't it? clarified that, yeah. But. I don't like... That's the problem is... Anyway, first of all... I'll talk about that first of all. The problem is that when you meet people, as you get older... And I'm sure everyone finds this. You can't be bothered to do the small talk to get to know them. Yeah. It's such a pain in the arse. How did I get in then? I forced you to be my friend, obviously. Well, we sort of met each other before, so it's fine. If I met some before, I know... But there was a first not... time, though. There was a first time I met you. Yeah, but we were doing the film, weren't we? Well, I was under a massive black cloak holding a fire extinguisher. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe I was a lot more social when I'm younger. and It's nicer... Uh, sometimes you just want people I'm sure if listeners met me in real life they'd be deeply disappointed and would like it just to remain as an odd voice that sometimes just, they can listen to on buses well I have to disagree with that wholeheartedly but that's because I I have enjoyed your friendship for many years now oh that's very kind um, the second question or the first question was something about do you think uh, that the fact that there's this kind of romantic idea of oh, yeah. English film. Like, is it there for the Americans, or is it there because people lack confidence in British film? Well, that was. It's, I mean, it's quite a good. Darkest Hour was the opposite of it. I thought of just crowbarring sort of parts in there. Yeah. And that train parts. I mean, Notting Hill's a. I think I've said this before. I lived in when I first moved to London when this was filmed in '99, and I lived in Westbourne Park, uh, um, in a flat underneath a, a crack deal that got murdered two weeks after I moved out. Oh my god. Anyway, they filmed Notting Hill, and that was not the... I used to go down Portobello <laughs> most Saturdays to go, just to wander around. Mm. And it was so whited up and uh, middle-classified. Yeah. It's not true. But oddly, since um, even in the last... When I went back there, and I made a vlog, when I was making vlogs last year, going back to Westbourne Park, this is 2099, so almost 18 years afterwards. Mm. And it has become massively more gentrified yeah that whole area so it turned it, it turned into the film so it was like films reflecting life now reflecting the films yeah it was some sort of point like that but <laughs> I, I'm not the most do you think Notting Hill is the worst offender then I can't I don't know like I think a lot of the films of that genre do the same sort of thing don't they Richard Curtis yeah it's possibly the main offender yeah <laughs> I think he has this idea of weddings that don't really... Maybe they do exist. Maybe his England, his life is genuinely... Maybe people like that in Richard Curtis's life. Maybe people run up to him at airports and and give him flowers and like say, don't speak directly to him, but only speak using cue cards. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. But I think there are... It does exist. When I go and do work with my brother I was talking about, I, I'm not acting... Which is, you know, quite a lot of time. I go and help my little brother out who does, he chops down trees on, and does sort of gardening work on rich people's estates. And I think some of the people that he works for are just sort of hang around. I mean, they hang around with sort of royals and sort of people. It's a different... Yeah. If you're in that group of uber rich people, then I think that does exist. That does exist, this weird sort of... um, you don't really meet other people and you go to exclusive bars and 
everyone speaks like that and says fuck it in a weird posh way. <laughs> yeah. But saying that, I do love, I do love Hugh Grant so much. Really? Yeah. He doesn't do it for me. But uh, that's all right because he, he's my friend. <laughs> I'm Team Colin Firth all the way. Oh, Colin Firth is so boring. No, I, I really enjoy him. Yeah, but he's a bit boring, though. I think Hugh Grant is more boring. Yeah, Colin first never going to chuck you around the kitchen. <laughs> I didn't realise that was that's what you were looking for in a, yeah. in a film star. Yeah. Someone who could chuck you around the kitchen. Well, well, no. I might edit that bit I out. I mean, if you, want, if you want someone to do that, you wouldn't, those two wouldn't be your first choices. You'd immediately go, Tom Hardy. Oh, if Tom Hardy would do it. He'd be sticking glass down your throat. That's amazing. You'd be putting his finger in your eye. What are you putting your finger in my eye, Tom Hardy? For you know, Tom Hardy is one of those like he's one of those pretend hard people. No, he did. He he's a posh boy. Needs to be. There's a. There's a. But he's definitely. He looks like someone who's slightly overdosed on drugs, though, right? I didn't know he like his his muscles go kind of kind of go up and down. Like whenever I see him, he looks different. But Not. he had moments of, he had times of being quite skinny. Mm. And then he was really beefy for that Batman movie. Yeah. Didn't do it for me. You like the skinny waifs. These skinny waifs, the boys with the, with the flickering hair who sometimes wear eyeliner. I mean, I, I'm not sure that's my type. Um, I don't like that. I, I think it's more that I don't like the idea of someone who's at the gym three times a day every day yeah, because it. like do something more interesting and also if you're there three times a day then you're not spending time with me that's unacceptable i went i've rejoined the gym after i saw myself in a program called trolley and i thought oh shit i've got really fat but the people in the gym is really odd people there really in terms of i mean we used to go before just the amount of time they can just spend they just don't really do anything for a lot of time. They just lift a few weights. And then it's not... Uh, I think going to the gym is do the exercise, get out as fast as possible, listen to a podcast so you're not really there. But some people actually, I think it's a social yeah. life for them. I mean, I'm saying, yeah, I don't go to a gym. I would never go to a gym. Don't, mate. Play Volksball instead. Um, exactly. That is Volksball, the sport I created. Please follow on Twitter. Um, I think you'll find this Volksball the greatest sport of the 20th. First century. 21st, yes. <laughs> That's the tagline. Well, shall I read another one out? Let's read because we've got to get through these before. Yes. Uh, this is um, Three Billboards. Have you seen Three Billboards? I have. I saw it. It was excellent. We reviewed it last week. Um, this is from Caleb. Uh, here we go. Hello, American guest. Thank you for the ongoing podcasts. I mean, he's really. You're this so welcome. You're so welcome. He's really this before I've announced it. Uh, I'm really enjoying the new format. I feel guilty now. I've just seen three billboards outside Ebbing and thoroughly enjoyed it. Sam Rockwell is outstanding, as are Francis McDormand, Woody Harrison and Peter Dinklage. I will not give any spoilers, but I have to say, this is the best film I have seen in a long time. The only issue I had was Abby Cornish, who just does not have the acting chops of the other members, and stood out as as such, particularly in a scene with Francis McDormand. I absolutely hated Baby Driver. It was a pile of tosh, unengaging and dull. The new Star Wars is a stinker. My 12-year-old son hated it and could see through all vid Disney product placement. Just rubbish and just the, ruined the franchise for me. Whoa, Surprisingly, that. Kong Skull Island, although stupid actually, was much more enjoyable. I know it's shite. Looking forward to The Shape of Water 
the trailer looked good, which is unusually, unusual these days. I think trailers give away far too much. Anyway, check out Free Billboards. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you again for your podcast. Keep watching the films. Caleb. That was so many things and so many things that I wanted to disagree and agree with. Um, first of all, the, he liked Free Billboards, which we both liked. Loved it. And then he singled out Abby Cornish. I was trying to Google her, but I don't even know who she was. Abby Cornish plays Woody Harrelson's wife. Wife, okay. Who is got an Australian... Weirdly jarring Australian accent. That is what... Uh, and I spoke to my, my friend Tim last week. You yes. agreed on this. It's, they don't address the fact she's Australian. If they said the fact, and it's it's so jarring, isn't it? It's so jarring because it's this small town where clearly people haven't gone travelling and abroad mm. and whatever else. Yeah, so that was quite jarring. But I just didn't, I was like, mm, just not going to think about it. There's enough of this film to like that I don't need to think about I that. I think it was her accent rather than her, her performance. Acting. Um, and he doesn't like Star Wars. I thought it was Disney rubbish. I agree. You probably disagree. I disagree, but I we've discussed the fact that I'm not very judge, judgy about things. I just tend to like things. I I mean, also Ad, Adam Driver is that his name? Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's brilliant. He's spectacular. He is one of my like Ryan Gosling. I think he would be my Ryan Gosling. Um, Hugh Grant and Adam Driver I can I can watch Adam Driver all day long me too did you see his movie Patterson yeah stunning I really liked it a lot of people didn't like it I loved it that was great but it's just not many people could have carried that he's no he is person. ideal absolutely lovely yeah and here he is right now <laughs> don't even joke about it no he's not and there was more in that that I wanted to address something about Kong uh, oh he hated Baby Driver loved it I you, d- you weren't convinced I when I first saw it, I quite liked it. Then again, it, I felt like I'd eaten a really um, sugary sweet, and afterwards I didn't like it as much. I saw it three times. I absolutely loved it. I loved the soundtrack. Mm. I loved it. I mean, we're not we're not allowed to like it anymore because of fucking Spacey ruined everything. Of course, Spacey was probably literally bowing everyone in that. <laughs> but I do, and I, I've got a real thing for Edgar Wright. Like I just, I kind of love him a little bit. That's why everyone was driving fast cars to get away from Kevin Spacey trying to bum them. <laughs> that's that's maybe that's what it was about. I just thought it was it was really beautiful, beautifully put together. I, I did like it a lot. The soundtrack with lots of films, lots and of songs that I wanted to put in my future film soundtrack, exactly. like Young MC, and they really, I thought, oh, you've done it now, and now I can never use that mm. in um, The Bumming Man or <laughs> Barry Needs a Piss. And John Hamm is there too, and I thought John Hamm really jarred for me. We. I remember you saying in the th- I, I listened to your podcast about that. Oh, that's very good of you. And um, you said something about the Shape of Water there, the new Guillermo del Toro film. Yes, seen it. I've seen it. Went to the, went to the London Film Festival um, premiere. I've seen it on someone had a, a illegal copy. Well, not a a, a a my friend had a BAFTA copy that I watched. Ooh. So yeah, I mean, what did you think? I thought it was a cross between Amelie, um, Splash. <laughs> and there was another film, Emily Splash, and something else, and I did not think it was very good. I at thought all. it was delightful. Really? I thought it was really charming. But it was just such a rip off of Emily. Gorgeous soundtrack. But they were using French sort of chanson music. Yeah. And you think, don't, when it's so much like Emily, 
even down yeah, it's to... Not, it's not so much like Amelie in that they have two completely different stories. Like, nowhere in Amelie do I remember her having sex with a sea creature. Yeah, but she's... Um, I mean, there's mild spoilers there, but that's all right. Um, she's... <laughs> but Sally... What's her name? Har- what's her name? Hawkins. Hawkins. Doesn't... I don't rate her. I was quite charmed by the film. I was charmed by it. Okay. Well, that's the beauty of, of the film Fandango, is that we have um, so many different opinions to enjoy, and that is good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I'm up to... Um, I think that's going to be it, I think. What date are we up to? Up to about the 15th of January, in terms of letters. Uh, and we'll do more next time on the letters. Because we've done an hour already. Ooh. That's a long podcast. Is it? We don't want to. We don't want to outstay our welcome. That's true. Um, thank you very much for coming into cinema with me. It's lovely to see you and for doing the show. I mean, do you want to plug anything or is there anything that you? What's your Twitter? Are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. How do you follow you on Twitter? Oh, that's a good point. What's my handle? Yeah, handle. That's the word. See, what's your handle? Snazzy. My handle is. I have to actually look it up. It's oh, it's just at Gallia Mellon. G A L I A M E L O N. There we go. Follow Gallia on that, and you can find Gallia goes to see lots of cultural things like plays and films, so she's quite good at um, knowing what's going on as opposed to me, who mainly sits in his room. Um, thank you very much for, for for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Marit. And um, hey, everybody. Keep watching the films. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.